Okay, so the the as far as like setup goes, like just get yourself comfortable. Well, so, so well, how far? Is I mean, if you want to if you want to sit back and relax, <laughs> you can sit back and relax. So, we is might that, move uh, the couch a little bit for you. Yeah, let me just like six inches of it. Otherwise, it would be like leaning forward the whole yeah. time. You can sit right next to me if you want to. You, can guys you can, can, yeah, you can do the mic because we'll probably ask you a question. If you're, if you're sitting here, you're going to get it. I mean, I'm going to ask yeah, you a question. Not, this is all about Hans. I literally just want to listen in and I want to be able yeah, to post the only a picture way. of you guys talking. I think it would be cool. But oh, then at, at also, I think rational people are going to want to know the truth. <laughs> You know, so they want to know. Well, for the record, he has a much better memory than I do, so he's got it all stored and locked away. Okay. Mine's mom's brain. It gets uh, it gets tossed out. Oh, I thought that was a PBR. Uh, it it's is. it's rebranded. Wait a second. Yeah. So, um, it does. Still oh, PBR. after after the the John late Garrison. John. John Garrison. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. John Garrison. I don't know if you knew he yeah. he's a he was the longest. A participant of the Hospital Hill run, like they used to do articles on him every year, and so like forty nine out of the fifty. Of them. Yeah, like what, almost really? every oh, single wow. one of them. But last year, uh, our group was running rainy day. He was the last one, and he always said, "If you guys wait for me, I'm going to stop coming." So people got ahead of him, and while well, he passed out, like right on Gregory and Ward Parkway. Yeah, and the group didn't see it or know it. Till he got back, and nobody really thought anything of it. Sometimes he would just go off and run at home, and uh, yeah, he passed away. But 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 he was a John Doe. So yeah. that, so the story was, I, I guess, to, you guys all got to went to work. Like everybody pulls in yeah. the parking lot, goes goes back home. Yeah, and somebody on yeah. a Facebook uh, like neighborhood Facebook page asked a question. Hey, does anybody know? There was a person who passed out on Ward Parkway and Gregory, he was wearing such and such clothes. And one of the guys in the group saw it on, saw that post and was like, um, you know, could it, it could be John. And we have some doctors in our group and they start calling around to wow. different hospitals and they found out that he had been taken to St. Luke's or whatever. Yeah, I had just talked to him the week before. Literally, yeah, Did you? he had he, just okay. come into the gym. Just coming into the gym, and we were talking. He was standing out watching, um, watching class from the side. Yeah, and we we're talking about, oh, you know, just getting in here, you you know, feel good, and like he's like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to feel better. I'm not trying to do nothing crazy. I was like, heck yeah, man, that's what we're all about. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and I think I text him, uh, and I heard nothing back, obviously, but I had texted him that week, and then I asked Doc Ely. I said, hey. What's up with your what's your what's the, what's your boy? Like, is he? Have you heard from him? And he's like, man, you'll never guess. Like this weekend, wow. he passed away. I was like, yeah, wow, that's insane. Yeah. So, in honor of him, we rebranded that's our group. Beautiful. So, the, so the, tell tell me about the so, group real quick. So the group, uh, you know, the I call it the kind of the old man running group at the moment. But you've run. You're, with you're pretty fast. Yeah, for, but, for an old man running but, group. But. Uh, you know, these guys has started, I think, in the 90s running from the village, and they would just run three times a week. Um, and, um, you know, I, I started running with them in 2015, so they'd been going a long, long time. Uh, but professionals, um, you know, every walk of life was welcome. The group is very large. Sometimes there's 30 people who show up on Sundays. Sometimes there's five, but there's always somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and, uh, you know, it's just, just like any, any group fitness. I mean, groups hold you accountable and, 
that's why everybody keeps coming back, you know, and you end up doing better in a group. You end up competing better, training harder, getting ideas, getting ideas to run stupid things like ultra marathons. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's how it kind of – that's, that's how it stemmed. That's you. how it stemmed. You started out running seven miles yeah. on Sunday, and now you're looking for hundreds. Well, so, yeah. yeah. So, so really, the way I got started was, uh, you know, I was working at a at a gym where Doc Ely was working out as well, and he was part of the group. He's like, "Oh, Hans, you should come and join the, you know, run with us on Sundays. You'd really like it." And I'm like, eh, "I don't know." I don't, Were you know, running at the time? I was not running at the time. I had how long run- ago was this? When was this? 2015. All right, so you weren't running at the time of 2015. I wasn't running right, was at that time. That right so, but the the ten years leading up to that, I had not run hardly at all. Okay, but um, but did, I had been working out. You've been working out. Uh, been but working you also, out. Um, you ran in college. I ran in college. Uh, for what? What was your event in college? So I ran at uh, Marquette University. Um, I ran cross country in the fall, and in college, you typically run eight k, five miles, or or ten k. Um, and then in track indoors, I would typically run the mile or 3000 meters and outdoors. I would run the 1500 meters or 5000 meters. Sometimes I'd do other odd events, but that's, that's primarily what I, but that was back when that was in from 1992 to 97. So, so 92 to 97, you ran like you're a runner. I ran and then you did not run. You worked out for a couple of years thereafter. I did still, I competed and trained vigorously. Just trying to make it to the next level and and just seeing what I could do, and uh, Kim and I uh, got engaged during that time frame, and um, I went to uh, law school, and Kim followed me down here to Kansas City in 1999, and uh, once law school started, I made the stupid mistake of not running, yeah. um, and I stopped, and I stopped pretty much, yeah, till 2015. I mean, I had a few spurts here and there. I I jumped in the Chicago Marathon in 2005 without much training, just because my cousin was doing it. He's what like, was your time without much training? training so no, it was 357. Okay, um, so totally average. Yeah, it, it, my cousin wanted to break four, and mm-hmm. we had achieved that goal, so we felt good about it. And that's like a what nine minute mile. I, I don't even know yeah, what that computes nine. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so after that, yeah, I didn't really do much of anything until uh, 2011 where I, I, would, I wouldn't say I lost a bet, but I used to work with uh, another person who goes to your gym, Jason Pottinger. All right, yeah. And he was working out doing CrossFit and, and always trying to get me to do it. And I was like resistant to the idea. You know, he he would come into work and tell me how many burpees he'd done that morning. I'm like, what what are burpees? You know, yeah. that sounds dumb. Yeah. Uh, but we had this case down in Joplin in 2011, the year that the tornado hit down there. Mm-hmm. And we had a trial scheduled. And it was actually going to be that Monday right after that tornado. So it never would have happened. But our clients were ultra difficult. They were just just the least likable clients you can imagine. And I, I told him, I said, look, if this case settles, I will join the gym the next day. And I, I said that in part because I wanted that case to go away so bad. <laughs> yeah. I hated that case. And two, I did want to make a life change. And yeah. I stuck true to my word in the very, we settled the case a couple of weeks later in May of 2011. And I went the next day at 5 a.m. and I never looked back That's and it. signed up. You I signed up and I went and then Kim's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you, <laughs> why do you keep going back? 
Hang on, you, so Kim wasn't doing the CrossFit then? <laughs> no, she wasn't doing it. She really? was at, she was kind of doing her own thing at at, a, at the public uh, Overland Park uh, gym. What I don't remember what it was called, but she was actually doing way more than I was at that time. But yeah. I was I was definitely at my lowest physical condition in my life at that point, and so I started. And she saw what it was doing to me after about a month. And she's like, you know, I want to do that too. And so she joined in June of that year. About a month later. Yeah, right, and, she, awesome. and she, of course, exceeded <laughs> everybody. She She went straight, you know, to the professional side where I was still meandering over with the people who were just trying to squat <laughs> properly. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing CrossFit uh, helped immensely with was – uh, mobility because I obviously hadn't done much leading up to that point and all those years of running didn't help with flexibility. Right. It still doesn't, but it helps at least counteract some of what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but so fast forward after working out there for about four years, Doc Ely's like, Hey, you got to come with this group, whatever. And I'm like, finally one Sunday or Saturday or Sunday, I capitulated and went and I met a gentleman by the name of Marvin Mastin. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've met yeah. him before. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so he had done a bunch of ultra marathons, and mm -hmm. I had never even heard about a hundred miler or yeah. anything like that. And I started talking to him that day, in fact, and I was like, "Wait, what? Hundred? You run? You run a hundred miler?" Yeah. And so I started asking questions, and the wheels kind of started turning in my mind, and I started. Of course, researching online and looking at everything, reading books, you know, Born to Run, Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnassus, which is a fantastic book. Um, that's I still a, don't get how he eats pizza well, on runs. Yes. Yeah, so you've read the book. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's where I first learned about Badwater uh, uh, and thinking. I, mean, I love pizza, but I'm not <laughs> in the middle of a 50-mile run. Like. You know, if you're super hungry, I mean, yeah, you'll, I eat, whatever. <laughs> you'll eat whatever you can get your hands yeah, on. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that was, that was the first place I read about races like Western States and, and Badwater and uh, Born to Run, reading about Leadville, uh, thinking to myself, there is no way in hell I could ever do that. Yeah, back then because I hadn't really even started running at that point. But and this was all on you. You got this stunt idea from the very first this run that you one Sunday. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sunday. I just boom. Just, and that doesn't mean just because you go to a Sunday that you're going to end up wanting to run no. hundreds of miles. No, no. It just happened to be the guy you talked to, and yes. you're just I, crazy enough to look stuff up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I was I was kind of fascinated by the idea of it. You know, just the the sheer magnitude and and the. You know, I always talk about the morning you wake up on a race day for an ultra marathon, just the sheer abject terror that sets in, knowing that you have to complete a hundred miles on foot before you can lay back down and go to sleep. That's it's very daunting. It's oh, very yeah. daunting when you when you think about it all at once. But um, but you know the. The idea when you start a race is not to think about all of it at once. Just like a long chipper workout, you know, just focus on getting to the next thing. Focus on getting to the it's next just a different station. level of a chipper workout. Yeah, yeah, versus, you're talking about but, 20 hours. But right? it's the same principle. It, it truly is yeah. because I, I like doing chip chippers in, in CrossFit. And, you know, a lot of times mentally you can be – you can feel defeated and be like, man, I don't know if I can finish this or whatever – 
but just get to that next block, you know, finish this next section or finish the next time period or whatever it may be and just chunk it up. Mm-hmm. And as in any workout, you sometimes, you know, especially in ultra marathons, the, your energy levels and your strength and everything and your confidence kind of ebbs and flows. So, so all I'm thinking about is, is the common person is going, why would you do this? What, what do you enjoy about the process? Because it is completely arduous. The, there's highs, there's lows, but the lows are very low and the highs probably don't last that long. What, what is it that keeps you coming back to them? And what do you enjoy most about the process? Well, the, the, you're right. During the race, the highs aren't that long, but it's the, the high after the race that lasts a long time. I mean, because physically you feel what you've done for a couple of weeks sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mentally you feel, uh, it, you know, just a sense of accomplishment. Uh, but for me, what's attractive, attractive about ultra marathoning, and it's just a different way of running. I mean, running marathons is, has its own challenges and can be fun and can be super hard just depending on what your goals are. But the, the thing I like about ultra marathons is that you, it requires a lot of planning, um, and strategy, of course, in every sport, but more so in the longer distances. Um, and especially if you're running in different terrains or, or environments, uh, running in the mountains, for example, um, your training has to be very tailored and specific to whatever event you're, you're going to be competing in. So you, you wouldn't run on, you know, flat roads all the time if you're going to be running a trail mountain race or, you know, for example, or if you're going to be running in a hot climate, you need to acclimate before you get there uh, in order to be able to withstand that. So that's, that's the attraction for me is the, is the figuring out You're planning. playing chess. Yeah. It's like chess. It's, and you can't just blindly go into it and say, I'm just going to go do this. You have to really think about it, plan ahead, plan your nutrition, you know, when or how often you're going to take electrolyte pills, for example. And a lot of that you learn by trial and error. I mean, what, you know, people may ask, well, how often should I take, you know, um, like, yeah, I think you sell salt stick, uh, electrolyte tabs in your, in your gym, which is an excellent product. I took me about five different products to get to that one, but that's the one I use right now. Um, and people may ask, well, how often should I take that when I'm running? Well, the, the answer, unfortunately, it depends. It depends on the conditions. It depends on your own physiology. And you learn a lot of it by trial and error, unfortunately, just like I have. Yeah. Uh, because the first time I ran in a hot race, I faltered and it hurt really bad. But I learned a lot of lessons. You know, I learned what to do and, and what not to do. Uh, but also with along with the electrolytes and with ultra marathoning, unlike most sports, you have to consume a lot of calories during, during the event. I mean, because everybody knows once you've reached 20 miles, like in a marathon, your glycogen levels are depleted. You don't, you're running on fumes at that point. If you don't consume calories. Well, and you have to play around with like, uh, gastric dis- uh, distress and figuring yeah. out what okay in hot climates can you handle solid food or liquid in colder climates can you handle more uh solid food or liquids like what does your body handle completely different because you could be intaking calories but not absorbing any of the calories 
just because you're taking them in doesn't mean necessarily anything if you don't do it properly. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, especially if your body's stressed out, your GI tract is just going to shut down. And then you're going to be in a whole yeah. different and, level of suck. And that's, that's what causes <laughs> a lot of people to drop out of races because yeah. they can't take in the calories or the fluids. They can't hold them down. They yeah. either vomit or whatever and or just can't do it. And if you don't have any fuel, you just – you run out of gas, literally. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, so backtrack. So we're at 2015, right? So you started the running, you were on the running club Sunday. You started doing all this stuff. Did you, so then so your first race. So go like that's, did you do a marathon? Did you do a 50? Did you do a hundred? What'd you do? So I, I, I skipped the marathon since okay. I'd, I'd done that and I didn't feel like, uh, you know, I didn't really feel like that was enough of an accomplishment, even though it, it, it would have been. Uh, but I, I went straight to a 50 miler and I had signed, I, after reading these books and talking to people, I made the decision to, to do a 50 miler that spring in 2016. So that was my first ultra marathon. It was one down in Springfield. I picked a flat course, like a rails to trails course down there. And, uh, and it, it went well, like it, you know, I, I did some things wrong, but I also did some things right. Um, you know, my training leading up to it was, very low mileage. Uh, I rarely exceeded 30 miles a week. Uh, the one 30 miles a week, 30 miles a week okay. at that time I was running probably three or four days a week. But the one thing I did do consistently was doing a long run every other week. So every other week I would try to do close to a 20 miler. Okay. All right. So that was kind of my staple. And then and you're still doing CrossFit at the same and time. And I'm still doing CrossFit at the yep, same yep, time. Yep. So the CrossFit was really my primary training. I mean, the running was kind of a supplement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, with like an AM session of CrossFit and then a PM session of go and run. Correct. Okay. Correct. Or maybe just run right after CrossFit and that would be it for the day, just like four miles. And, and Kim can tell you, I was, you know, I was not putting in a lot of miles at that point, but it was sufficient to be able to withstand the stress of running a 50 miler. Well, you, you had the, you had the strength base. Right. And you did enough conditioning work to be. Right. Able to- I think things like doing back squats, deadlifts, um, front squats, all those things helped withstand the stress of after you run 35, 40 miles, you can, you can, you can take it basically. Whereas if I wasn't doing that, I don't think I would have, I think I would have had to do more on the running side of it, uh, to be able to accomplish what I did. So, um, so yeah, I ran. I ran that first race and, and it gave me some confidence. And <laughs> of course, you know, people ask, well, what did you do next? Well, I, I signed up for a hundred miler, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Duh. Duh. <laughs> but a hundred miler isn't just two times as hard as a 50 miler. It's, it's really, it's really about four times as hard as a yeah. 50 miler. So it becomes very daunting to think about all the possible things that can go wrong, which is, yeah, it can be scary, especially the very first one because you, you're you've never experienced you've it. never experienced it. You're in doubt. You're like, oh, what do I do if you know if I cramp or this or that, whatever? I mean, you don't know, and until you actually go through it and experience it, it's hard to describe and to really prepare for. Uh, but I, my training stayed the same for that hundred miler. And so I signed up for one in October of 2016. Okay. It was the, uh, Heartland 100 and the Flint Hills in between Emporia and Wichita in Cassidy, Kansas. So it's kind of rolling hills. It's not flat by any means. It's, it's on gravel. Not, it's on gravel. So that, that's kind of nice. It's not technical trail, but it's still off road. Um, 
Kim was my crew. Uh, nice. And I, I did have a pacer, Marvin Maston, since he had got me into this business. So he, <laughs> You're going to help me out now. He, he helped me uh, the, at the end of it. Uh, but that was also uh, just a, an incredible experience. Uh, you know, the race starts at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I think that particular race, you have 30 hours to complete it. Uh, for a 100-miler, 30 hours on a non-technical average Elevation course, 30 hours is pretty typical for uh, a cutoff. Um, the goal is always, for a lot of people is to try to get under 24 hours. So so like a 30-hour 100 miles is an 18-minute mile. Right. I mean, you could you could literally walk it. You walk it fast yeah, if a, you wanted a to. A fast walk. Yeah. Fast. Which is hard, which is that's not easy. Much harder either. than, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like, oh, I'll, oh I can sign do that. up for this if you walk yeah. 100 miles. That's try it. Yeah. Try, try doing three point whatever miles per hour, and it, it's for not t- easy. 30 hours. For 30, with, yeah. With, yeah. Rolling yeah. Yeah. with rolling hills. So, you, yeah. so you, like, did you say the 24 hour mark is. So that's what a lot of people try to shoot for is, is under, go sub 24. I think with the Harlan one. 14 mile, minute mile. Yeah. 14 and a half. So Heartland, if you if you get under twenty four hours, they give you a nice sweater that says sub twenty four. So that was kind of like a a secret goal of mine going into that first one. But yeah. you know, for me, it was just about completion. I wasn't like I I don't need to break any time records or anything. Just completing the thing is is an accomplishment. But did you get the sweatshirt? I did get the sweatshirt. So <laughs> oh, there we go. I was just saying, oh, yeah. yeah. oh yeah. did you complete? So, I got we're the here to do a little this, bit more than yeah, just finish. Okay. I got the sweatshirt. So do you remember your fifty mile time? Yeah, it was um, eight twenty six. Eight hours and twenty six minutes. Eight right. hours and twenty six. So minutes. because the only reason I'm doing this is because divided by fifty is kind of like gauge. So your your marathon you did in in two thousand five was like a nine ish minute mile, and then this one you did the fifty mile you did at a ten minute mile, right? right. So ten oh seven or whatever. Yep. Um, and then this next one, so you did at. 2053. Oh, 20 hours and 53. Yeah. All right. So 20 hours. Was the total. Was the total minutes. for yeah. the 100 miles. So 1231. So double the time and only added two minutes, two and a half minutes per mile. Yeah. On, on that time. That's, I mean, that's insane. That's yeah. insane. So people, I mean, so that's why I'm just trying to put it in perspective of like when people think like running a hundred miles, like how long does that take? Well, people can kind of conceptualize a, a, a one mile. Like, run oh. a 10 minute mile and then just do it. <laughs> just <laughs> just, uh, just do yeah, it. Right. 12 minute. Right. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, times. a lot of times people in Murph, like, so we got Murph coming up, you know, your first mile is sometimes like an eight minute, nine minute mile. You do 100, 200, 300, and then your second mile is like a 12-minute mile, yeah. right? Okay, so you did that. That's your world for, for 20 for hours. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> One thing I did want to ask, so you kind of said your training was um, then was very similar to your 50-miler, right? Right. Um, you did CrossFit, and then you ran like 30 miles or less a week. Right. Now, in the running, did you do anything specific, or did you just run? Back then, I just ran. Yeah, I did not. I didn't do any speed work. I zone didn't do two any, work, heart rate training. You didn't run hills, paces, nope. hills. no hills. You just friggin' ran. I just ran. Just and ran. that's. I think I got a half hour. I'm gonna go bust out four miles. Yeah, or just based on how I I would feel that day. You know, if I'd done a bunch of back squats, I would run slow. If if I felt good, I would go faster. But and I think that's a. I think that is a a key piece that a lot of people need to understand is like. Don't overthink it so much that you don't do anything. 
just do something. Just do something. Just do something. And you're, are there better ways to do it? Yeah, there's always going to be sure. better ways to do it. Yeah. But you know what's not better is not doing anything. Not doing anything. No. Right. And you managed to do a 50-miler at a 10-minute pace and a 100-miler at a 12-minute pace by doing CrossFit at any given time, running a long distance uh, every other week, and then running like 30 miles. Yep. Just by running. Yep. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great to think yeah. about. That's Amazing. encouraging to me to someone who I do not like running. But right. he's five years into CrossFit. Five years into CrossFit. Yeah. That, that was your – you had a good base. I had a good base. Yeah, I really did. Of fitness right. and strength. Yeah. And then you're like, hey, I'm just going to start running. Like, you don't have to do anything crazy. You just got to start. I want to read – yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, if, if I wouldn't have had that base, I would not have had those same results. No. That no, CrossFit no, no, no. was definitely a huge – Huge factor. What's yeah. the um, so zoom back out or re- rewind the tape? What's the why? So you're you're having this conversation with Marvin on a Sunday. You hear this guy. I remember hearing about you then, and this guy who's going to run fifty miles. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> like that's insane. And then I hear he does it, and he's he does well, and then he's going to do a hundred miles. I'm like, what? What is going on? Um, so you have this conversation with Marvin. What was the like? What was the trigger? What was the why for wanting to pursue this originally? Well, I guess uh, part of it is just one of the reasons I want I like CrossFit is because it can be hard. You know, it can be challenging. And with ultra running, ultra marathoning, which is any distance over a marathon, uh, back then and still to this day, it it sounds very uh, – it's very daunting. It it just – very challenging. It's hard. Um, and I get huge satisfaction from doing things that are, are difficult. Um, that's the attraction. I mean, I just, and I know a lot of times I fall on my face, I get my butt kicked, you know, but just that process, you know, I always learn a lot. Even when I jump into a CrossFit competition, I don't do very well, but I like it. And I always learn a ton. Um, it's the same thing with running, uh, even in different climates or different terrain. A lot of times I just, I mean, I just lose my shirt. I just don't, I don't have a good day, but I, I, the, I like coming back, retooling, figuring it out, going back and doing better. And some races I've gone back five or six times. Um, and, you know, there's nothing more satisfying than improving, you know, seeing, PRs, results, you know, just keep getting better. Um, and that's, that's the attraction for me. Well, I love hearing that because that's something that we shout from the rooftops, like doing hard things. Doing hard things, yeah. And finding fulfillment and, you know, sometimes falling flat on your face. Yes. It's yeah. okay to fail. And, yeah. and I mean, know, I'm going to get back up. and You know, the, the, the race I did last summer, Badwater, I mean, that was a race I read about when I was first learning about ultra marathons and I was like top, top five finish. And I, yeah, I, I finished fifth. We got to talk a lot about that race. But, but, let's let's go there. But, you know, I signed up for that uh, or I, I what is that? So what is, what is bad water? Yeah. So let's back up. So let's talk about bad water, one thirty five ultra marathon. The race started in the 19, uh, late 1980s, I believe. Uh, But it starts in death Valley, California. And it runs, uh, all the way up to, uh, Mount Whitney portal. Um, so the, the total, co- the course is 135 miles. Um, it used to be longer. It used to go all the way to the peak of Mount Whitney. Um, 
but it's 135 miles and it finishes at like 8,500 feet of altitude. And so the, the total climb during the race is about 15,000 feet. Because you're, you're minus seven. Right. You start below sea level, yeah. like 280 feet below sea level and you end up at 80 some odd, 80, 8,500 or something like that at night. But, um, and they've had times where they've started in the mornings or sometimes start at night. My race started at night. Uh, different. They had three waves. Um, mine started at 11 p.m. at night um, on a Monday night, and so you're you're kind of up the entire day. Yeah, you, um, <laughs> you don't day. you don't sleep much. You try, no. but you don't sleep much. Um, and then you run through the night, and the first 42 miles of that race are pretty manageable in terms of the, and the terrain. Temperatures. But the temperature is is a big factor. So like when we were when we got out of the car. Last year, the temperature was 115 degrees. So yeah, Adel- Kim's in the room with us right now. She's <laughs> she's shaking her head right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ill- Ill- sucked on a tailpipe yeah. before. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're sucking on a tailpipe. I mean, yeah. So the it felt. Fa- looked at each other's like, don't look at Hans. Don't look at Hans. Because our faces, our jaws were to the ground. Like, holy. It God. it literally felt like an air dryer, like a blow dryer, yeah. and somebody was holding it to your face because it was windy and I felt like my eyeballs were kind of drying out. So I, I had a visor with me, which I wore in the beginning because it, it did feel like your eyeballs you were dry. visor at night. At night, yes. <laughs> a visor, yes. Clear clear sunglasses, which I never wear. Uh, but it was kind of windy and so it starts off very warm. Um, but the idea, I mean, I could talk a whole hour just about the preparation for bad water, but one of the biggest things was obviously is to prepare for the heat. That's mm-hmm. the biggest factor of that race. The fact that it's 135 miles, once you get into that race, they have vetted you and they make sure that you can at least complete that distance based on what you've done in your past performance. The race is by invitation only. You don't, you don't apply and get in. You apply and you, you hope to get selected. And yeah. there's a hundred people every year that get in. So only I did not realize only 100. that. Yeah, it's a hundred. It's capped. So you have to have a resume. You have to have a resume, and there's some some prerequisites. Like you've you've had to show that you've got done at least several hundred milers in the last four years. But so of those hundred milers, they have to be some harder harder wow. ones. They have to be. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah, withstand yes. the turmoil of yeah. going like, hey, this person isn't just right. They walked a hundred miles. Right. Yeah. Right. So one of the races I did was I did a hundred miler in the. Florida Keys the year before, mm-hmm. which is on their list of kind of if you do this race, it'll help your application. So that was a hundred miler in May, in the humidity of of the Florida Keys, and that's not very pleasant either. <laughs> but I I ran it and I did okay, and and that was part of my resume. But so I you know so once you seventh get place, there, seventh place. Once right. once you get to that race. Uh, they've they've pretty much vetted you and and have ensured that you're at least uh, you know not good going enough to die. You're not going to die. That's what that's what their biggest thing. They don't want you to get hurt or die or anything like that. Which makes, is, makes the race look bad. Well, which uh, has that's happened. important. It, surprisingly, it has not. Really, it has not. And, and they, they and they attribute that to their selection process. Uh, so a lot of people have have definitely not done well or fallen ill or whatever. Uh, but that race, the biggest thing obviously is preparing for the heat. And one of the things that I did in terms of preparing for it was not only running in the middle of the day here in Kansas city in the summertime leading up to it, 
but then immediately going and sitting in the sauna afterwards. And I would start off 15 to 20 minutes at a time, and I worked my way up to where the last couple of weeks before the race, I was doing up to 60 minutes in a sauna at a time, which the sauna actually became harder than the running training. It really was because you're only, you're only two feet away from relief when you're in the sauna. Yeah, you can literally you can just open the, door. open the door, stand out there, and it's instant relief. Yeah. And the, to, to have the discipline just to sit there and take it and not do that was more difficult than did you running out. Did you or anything in there? I did not. That's even more on <laughs> yeah. Way more awesome than You that. just I sat with your th- yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I just sat with my thoughts <laughs> in oh, agony. Oh, man. You were just a writhing. glutton for punishment. But also thinking about this is what it's going to be like at Badwater, you know. I, yeah. And there is no escape. You know, once you're in the middle of the day, when the sun comes up there, that's when the climbing starts. You start running uphill, and there's actually the first stretch is 17 miles. How many miles were you or were you in by the time the sun came up? So for about 42, 43 miles. So I started 11 o'clock, about 43 miles into it, the sun started coming up. Yeah, 92 miles left. And so, and that's also when the elevation started going up. And the first climb is about 5,000 feet. So 17 miles, climbing 5,000 feet. Correct. And the roadway that also creates more heat when the sun and everything. So, uh, that's do you run what, on the shoulder? Or are you running on the pavement? Well, you're running on the shoulder. Um, well, you're running on the pavement, but just like on the white stripe. And actually, you end up running a lot on the white stripe because the pavement actually can be so hot where your shoes. your shoes kind of stick to it. Yeah, they they melt. And and the shoes I wore that day, uh, they were fairly new. I'd running for maybe two weeks just to break them in. After the race, they were completely just destroyed. They looked like I'd run three months in them. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, they looked pretty bad. Three yeah. But, yeah. yeah. But, it, it, but it's also from the heat and everything else. But So after the first 42 miles, you start climbing, the heat starts to set in, and that's where it becomes really challenging and, and tough. Um, you have to have a crew the whole way. Um, and the biggest thing about running in the desert in the heat like that is just to stay wet, like having people spray you down with water constantly and just Kim, dumping water. Kim's pointing at herself. Yes. Like, yep, yes. She's a crew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But cause it, once you dry out, that's when you start to heat up. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you can stay wet, you can, you can manage it. But if, if you dry out and you run a long period of time, dry. That's where you can run into problems. And, you you know, you're carrying water with you, but that turns warm after two miles. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, like, lukewarm. So that's not fun to drink either when you're, you know, overheating and sweating and all that stuff. So quick uh, sidebar question. Jeremy and I have both done baby distance stuff compared to you. Chafage <laughs> when you're wet. Yes. How do you manage that? Well, body glide is a good option. Okay. Um, that's – probably the number one product to use for chafing and you know the areas they chafe you may not realize till after the fact it's not just your thighs <laughs> no it could be under your arms yeah. i mean that's typically where i get were it were you fully well. covered yeah so i wore a long sleeve shirt uh during the daytime um at bad water because mm-hmm. uh number one to protect you from the sun because right? the sun will zap zap you like no other but two it just helps keep you wet so if your sleeves are wet you stay just, cool yeah and wearing light color clothing helps reflect the sun so just 
studying that and, and hearing about how other people had done uh, done well at, at Badwater and what they wore and what they did, just putting all that information together and, and tailoring it for myself. That's kind of how I, you know, on paper when I signed up for that race and when I got in on paper, uh, you know, I thought I was lucky just to be in the in the quote unquote fast heat, uh, but I didn't think I should have been even in the top thirty because there were there were a lot of good runners and people who on probably a hundred really good runners. <laughs> there were all there's a lot of good runners and and a lot of people should have beat me, but again, back to what what was so appealing about racing these these ultra marathons is the strategy involved and we picked out a strategy to walk certain portions of those long climbs early on where people other people decide to run and all those people that passed me on those climbs they all came back to me throughout the race mm-hmm. uh, every one of them really yeah wow that's crazy and and, and yeah well they were already ahead of me so they never passed me but um but yeah, so but that wasn't something I came up with. Somebody else had had written about that and, and preached that, you know, all the time. But people get excited and they don't you listen just or whatever. Maintain your discipline and said, "Hey, this is what the plan is." Yes. Stick to the plan. This I is, mean, this and, happens in CrossFit workouts all the time. You're like, "All right, I'm going in with this plan of like, I'm only going to break it up these 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 sets." And then next thing you know, you're like, "You went unbroken on the first set." Like, <laughs> yes. Why did you do yes, that? Yeah. Exactly. Now you're yeah. blown up. Exactly. And then I'm you re- get passed by Hans. Yeah. Like, hey, I had that run up the hill, <laughs> yeah. girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See ya. Exactly. I mean, it's just like CrossFit where you just blow out too hard, you know, and and you, it's hard to get it back. Um, and if you overexert yourself in the heat, that makes it even it makes it even worse. That, that first climb was 17 miles, you said. 17 miles, yes. And then so then at, once you summit that that mountain, basically. Then you have like a nine mile downhill, which can also be a problem if you bomb that too hard. If you run it too hard, it can it blow your quads. Blow up. your quads up, yeah. yeah. And so they warned you about that. And so again, some people probably didn't listen to that part either. But I think we were pretty smart. My pacers were pretty smart. And did you have a pacer it. with you every mile of the race? Um, starting at mile forty two. Okay. So once that climb started, you, that was the first place you could have a pacer. Gotcha. And I did have pacers. That's that, when the race begins. That's truly when the race begins. Forty-two yeah. mile warm up. Yeah, forty-two mile warm up <laughs> in the in the desert. You know, in the heat, and it's still Over. hot. Um, but yeah, so after forty-two miles, you can have a pacer. What's and, it feel like when the sun comes up? Uh, well, you do notice the temperature change. Is um, it refreshing? I'm thinking like. My context here is like driving a car, leaving the house at 2 a.m. And those first couple hours are really – there's that low Dark. point. And the sun comes up and you're like, all right, you get a little energy back. Do you, yeah. do you feel any boost of energy when the sun oh, yeah. peaks it up? Yeah, I mean I've, I've experienced that in multiple races where you're running through the night. And um, when the sun comes up, it just – you know, it does feel – it does give you a boost, I think, psychologically. Yeah. Uh, but with bad water – Along with that boost came the heat as well, which was, you know, I knew it was coming, but yeah. it, I'd rather run in the dark longer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, I was in the Persian Gulf for nine months out in the middle of the ocean, and I mean it's 115, 120. I mean you could your shoes would melt on the flight deck. So I mean, like I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I can't even imagine doing any type of running in that. Like, and when the sun goes down, it's still freaking hot. Like yeah. it's just like like you said, like wind in your like a hair dry in your face so yeah it ta- everything takes a while to cool so down it was 115 
at we night. At 11 o'clock at night. At 11 o'clock at night. So what it, was it at 11 it actually cooled off a little bit throughout the night. But then when the sun came back up, it got back up to that range and probably close to 120, I would say. Um, especially there's a, there's a section after this nine mile downhill, then you run in this, you go up another valley, but then there's this, uh, or up, up another hill, uh, hill, a long climb, and then another valley. And that valley is about seven or eight miles long. And that's the, during the heat of the day, like two, three PM. And there's no like air movement. And you're, you're, you're pretty low again. And, uh, that was hot. That, I mean, then my pacer, when he got done with that section, he was like, yeah, I'm out for a while. <laughs> Is he doing, <laughs> yeah. are, are they doing 10 mile chunks, 20 mile chunks with you? What are, what's yeah, your pacer so doing? my, uh, my, one of my pacers, Brady Poskin, I mean, he, he's a stallion. Um, he ran the first, uh, was a 30, 30, 31. he ran 31 mile section with me, Whoa! but he had to take, he had to take a break after that. He was, he was in pieces after that. He told me later, uh, he, he kept on a pretty good game face throughout, but, uh, um, yeah, he, he ran a huge section, but he's a very experienced ultra runner himself. Uh, but Kim ran some miles with me. Um, my other buddy, Paul Black, and then Marvin Mastin was also a pacer of mine, um, at, at Badwater as well. And, and he also ran some miles with me. Um, some of them were very slow, um, climbing up hill straight up. But once you get to, this sounds crazy, but once you get to like mile 91, 92, it actually levels out for a while till you hit mile 122. And that's when you, you hit the town of Lone Pine. And so that stretch from like mile 90 to 122 is relatively flat. And a lot of people, if you're, if you've done things right, you can actually pick up some ground during that time frame. Cause you can, you know, you're not suffering anymore. You're past the heat of the day. It's still warm, but you're past the, the worst part of it. And so that next 30 mile section is a place where if you've done things right up to that point, you can, you can make up some ground. Um, and I felt like I, I didn't lose any ground. I don't know if I really made up a lot, but I didn't feel terrible at that point. Um, and then at mile 122, the last 13 miles is another huge climb. Just a half marathon. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't even remember what the elevation – I think it's another 5,000 feet in 13 miles. Um, and it's a lot of switchbacks just basically up to the base of Mount Whitney Portal. Um, and so you're running that at night um, and obviously running uphill. What time of day are you starting that last climb? So I, I hit there around midnight. So you're 24 hours in? Yeah, I'm about 24 hours in, maybe a little bit more. Um, and I ended up finishing in 2840, 28 hours and 40 minutes. I'm pulling up my calculator. <laughs> Jeremy's got the calculator. <laughs> on time calculator. Four hours without that last yeah. 11 miles. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a long. What'd you say? So you're, four, four hours for the last 11 20, miles. What was your overall time? 2840. 2840? Yeah. Divided by 135? Yeah. That's a 1224 mile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's insanely impressive. Like, and that's you didn't so stop to take a snooze at all? I did not. No, I did not snooze. Um, do people do that? 
Yeah. Some people do. Some people do. There, yeah. the, the cutoff for the race was uh, 48 hours. Yeah, 48 hours was the cutoff. Um, but, I mean, you can't stop if you're on a 1245 mile. No. 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 I mean, that's that's like a huge accomplishment for people doing a half marathon or people doing – I mean – for running a 5K. I mean, that's right. Yeah, right. That I mean, amazing. And, and there were stops in there in terms of going to the bathroom or stopping at the car and getting doused down and eating, you know. Is the car but, riding with re- you the whole time? So they would kind of leapfrog. So, like, I would meet them and then I would start running again and then they would drive ahead of me uh, two, three miles and wait. And then I would run to them. Yeah, your moving aid station. Yeah. Moving aid. They, so they were there ready. To spray me down and give change out water bottles. That's the biggest thing we were doing every time. Changing out water bottles, they were giving me fresh fluids with electrolytes and ice. Um, I had an ice pack um, on my neck. I had a couple of other ice shoved in, you know, everywhere else mm-hmm. I could, uh, and uh, and carrying some food. Do you have any idea how many uh, gallons of water you consumed and how many calories <sighs> in the twenty eight hours? Yeah. Well, you're thinking about that. So if yeah. I mean, so 4.7 miles per hour is 12.44 mile, right? So anybody that's listening could go get on treadmill and just put on 4.7 miles per hour, and then just see how long you can hold that for. Like, 28 I'm, hours. Yeah. And then on an incline too. And then do it in a sauna. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the heat. Incl- the heat part was yeah. the hard part. And then part, do it yeah. with in a sauna. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, that, so, so you came. What was you came in top five then? Right? Yeah, fifth place. Fifth place. And you know, for me, it's like that exceeded my expectations by far. I mean, I wasn't fifth place either. And I didn't know. You didn't know where you were till the very end. Yeah, I didn't know what place I last was. Last mile. Was last there anybody five miles around you at all? Can you see well, anyone? Yeah, actually. The, so the funny thing is, is there was a, a a woman from Greece who was. She's a fantastic runner. She's like. Uh, professional athlete in Greece um, and she was coming up on me the last four miles like we could see her car in the headlights yeah. coming up and her car was then passing me waiting for her so I knew she was getting close at one point she was within like 30 seconds of me like I could see her <laughs> and I'm like okay I haven't gone this far just let somebody pass me in the last two or three miles. So, and this is three a.m. Just to be clear, yeah, three a.m. Yeah. And so I shifted gears with Kim, and we booked it up all these little switchbacks. Like I would sprint the the straightaway, and then as soon as we got around the curve, I'd rest a little where she could where see she could see you. Where she yeah, could see, exactly. No, it, exactly. it was total strategy. Oh, man, this guy's got it. Was total strategy. And luckily, she it it worked because I ended up like four or five minutes ahead of her. Uh, wow. Four end. or five minutes in a twenty-eight hour race is not a lot of time. No, I mean, that's but a, she, no. but she was ready to pass. She was, <laughs> she was creeping. She was, she was. Close. If, she, if she saw you <laughs> let up, yeah. If she thought you were letting yeah. up, she would have. She would have sensed that, and she would yeah. have. She would have shifted gears. But I shifted gears, and luckily that worked. So, but she's a fantastic, fantastic runner. Uh, yeah, and I followed her since, and she's she's awesome. She's going to do Leadville this year. So look for her to do well. Okay, so that that notch in your belt is quite significant. Yeah, it, it is. Um, the, you know, one of the other races that I read about early on was Leadville. You know, probably everybody's heard about Leadville 100. Hang on one <laughs> Okay, one go thing. ahead. Right. So you did what, 2840? 
So a lot of people right now know who David Goggins is. I mean, from Joe Rogan, blah, oh, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, all yeah, right. stuff. So he placed fifth place overall in, uh, let's see, Goggins completed the race in 28 hours and 56 minutes. So you technically beat him oh. by six. Bam. <laughs> I mean, that's I talk mean, about a badass. And he came in fifth fifth place, and everyone knows who David Goggins is. So if you know who David Goggins you is, know who you know Hans who Hans is. is. Like, <laughs> let's go, Hans. Well, that's nice <laughs> that I get put in the same sentence as as him. But uh, he's a phenomenal athlete and and very driven, and also somebody I've looked up to ever since I got into this world. I was actually reading about him back in 2015 as well, and yeah. and because he had done a bunch of ultras, and obviously with Badwater, kind of propelled his ultra running career. Um, but Leadville is another one, you know, that if you come from Kansas city and you think about, you know, running it in the, not just running in the mountains, but running at a, a altitude of above 10,000 for most of the race, the race starts up at starts 10, at 10,000 yeah. feet in Leadville. It dips down to 9,600 for a little bit, but then most of the time you're above 10,000 and you go up to 12,600 feet. And so for me, that was actually my second hundred miler. There's the Leadville back in 2018. Um, is my second hundred miler and I had, I was scared to death of it because I'd never really run at altitude. Um, I did do a 50k there that summer leading up to it at about 7,000 feet and did all right. You know, I wasn't like super excited about it, but did okay. But 10,000 feet is, is a different story. I mean, a lot of you, I'm sure, have been up to 9,000, 10,000 feet. You know what it feels like the first day you get there, running up the stairs, you're gassed. And it's kind of alarming. You're like, oh, how am I going to do this? But um, just like anything else, your body kind of adapts once you start and your mind adapts and you figure it out. But um, that race for me was a huge uh, uh, accomplishment just because of the altitude um, and it's kind of an iconic race uh, in the United States. You got States. the buckle? And I got the buckle. So the biggest thing about that race is if you get under 25 hours, you get the big belt buckle. And so while completion is always my first goal, my my Seeger goal was to get under that 25-hour mark. And I actually wrote down you know, the week before I spent out there and got ready, and I wrote down my kind of my splits for my crew, what I anticipated where I'd be at certain points in my finishing time that I wrote down for my crew was 2445 to 2459. I gave him a range. Yeah. And I finished at 2452. Oh, right in the middle. Like right in the middle. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, and my watch was completely dead the last 10 miles. I had no idea. I really had no idea. What I was doing. I think the magic, the mix that I'm hearing that makes this possible for you and why you've had success with this is it's not just athletic ability. You've got to have the analysis, the mental fortitude to stick with it, but then also the preparation and like and equally enjoy all three parts. Like yeah. you enjoy the suffering. Like you, you enjoy being in that. You know, you enjoy going out and being an athlete, but then also I think there's that part of you that enjoys the strategy. Yes. Of, of planning it all, all out, which is, um, if you, if you're missing any one of those three, you're, you're not finishing these races. Right. Right. And you're not even just finishing them. You're doing well at them. And the thing that also, that I really enjoyed, like 
hearing about this is this is still all in a five-year time period. Like 2015, you, so you talk about lead wa- lead water or lead Leadville. Bad water, Leadville. I'm a runner. Lead water. Okay? I love running. Um, <laughs> Clydesdale Division. 2015 to 2017. So that's only a two-year span from when you actually started like – Okay, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this hundred mile thing. Right, and then you did uh, bad water in two thousand twenty two. Twenty two. So yeah. this is seven years um, that you've taken, and I mean uh, that's a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I mean relatively speaking, it is. I mean, yeah. you know, I did uh, one thing I didn't mention was after I did this hundred miler in two thousand sixteen, my first one. Uh, you're like, well, why, why did it take till 2018 to do your second one when you did Leadville? Well, 2017, I, I went out to Oregon to do a hundred K and I ended up breaking my foot in the middle of the or beginning of the race. Um, I didn't know it was broken at the time, but, um, after I got back, I had gotten an x-ray and had this displaced fifth metatarsal fracture, you which the race. Yeah. You fit. Oh, Kim said you finished I, the race. I finished okay. the race, and it, it was actually a Western States uh, uh, race that, if you finished under a certain time frame, you could get a ticket for the lottery. So that was one of the reasons I went out there to do it. I was still able to get that. That was actually my first ticket for Western States, which I'm doing this summer, actually. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It takes yeah. it. Uh, that race is also a very. Uh, American iconic race that's probably the oldest 100 miler and everybody wants to get into it and the number is capped at 369 I believe and uh, in order to get into it you have to enter a lottery and get picked and the only way you can get a ticket to the lottery is if you complete X right they have a list of races you can do a few of them if you get top two in those races which I've never been close to but if you get top two in some of those races then you get automatic entry Okay. But for most mortals, you have to be selected in the the lottery system. And in order to get a ticket in the lottery, you have to run a qualifying race. And so this race out in Oregon was one of the qualifying races that they had. And I was again running with my buddy Marvin Mastin and about mile 14, I slipped on a rock and hit my side of my foot and yeah, broke it uh, pretty good. So long story short, it took me out of running for several months uh, after that. And then I kind of had to rebuild back up um, from scratch, not scratch, but, but no, I know what you're but, saying. Yeah. You, yeah. you took I didn't a run three for... month, four month hiatus. And the next thing you know, you're not going to just go run uh, 50 miles. Right. No, right. or at the same pace or anything. You got to rebuild that back up because right. you're not, you broke a foot, so you're also not squatting tremendously amount of weight. You're right. not doing, there's a lot of things you're not able to do. Right. Luckily, I was still working out at that point, doing a lot of upper body stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I got really good at like military press, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doing, yeah, doing beach the, body, yeah, beach body stuff, pull ups. You know, I did did those a lot. But uh, yeah, you're right. I lost some fitness in my lower extremities, but uh, yeah. But then you picked it back up. Picked it back up and did uh, though. Then did Leadville. At the, this point in time, had you started uh, really dialing in or like getting more um, strategic with your training? Well, I think, yeah, in 2018, like getting ready for Leadville, I think I was um, in preparation for that race. I did what we, what we refer to as the poor man's altitude training, which is running in the heat here in Kansas city to build up your blood volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does work 
it does work. Um, I mean, so you would run in the wait for the hottest hottest part of the day and run. You know, you obviously have to dial back your pace, uh, but just running that added stress. You know, you add another stressor to running. Um, is is like the altitude stress that you would get running at altitude. But then do you I, – I was – I think I'm more on did you change anything from just running to did you do speed work and hills and yeah, this, so that, and the other? Did you keep on just running? Back then, I probably – I I know I incorporated some hill hill work and elevation gain, but not nothing to the extent that I've done the last few years. Okay. So it's still pretty rudimentary training at that point. Still a lot of mostly CrossFit, low mileage, uh, low weekly mileage, still not doing a ton of long runs. Uh, and I low mean, weekly miles to you now doing hundreds is 30 to 50 miles or is it in a week? Is it? No. Yeah. Back then it was still like 30 to 40 miles a week. Um, yeah. Still not a lot. I mean, um, and I've incrementally increased it over the years to where now I'm, in between 60 and 70 miles a week. Okay. Um, and with a day off too. So oh, that's I usually, t- I usually take one day off of running a week. Um, and then what about CrossFit? I still do. I still do that. Oh, so you <laughs> don't ever take a day off. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. you're an off day though is, is there's still going to be a CrossFit workout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're talking off days. Off no, days no from running. running. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So I love that. So I think that I the, love the, hearing that because it's like, People move around. Well, move, yeah, move like, around. I work out six days a week, and you make me feel like a turd here, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, so I'm like, what the hell am I doing myself? Like, I think that plays a role in your short time frame of being a successful, not just a, you can be an alt, in my opinion, you can be an ultra runner that goes to complete things. I did an Ironman, I went to complete it, right? I wasn't even looking for no buckles or nothing. Which is right? very impressive. Yeah, but, but the thing is, like, you have taken in a short time period, become a very well-established ultra runner through consistency, both in your mental practice, both in your consistency and training. There isn't a day that you take off or probably slack off on your nutritions or your supplements or whatever else you're taking. You're, and you're not doing anything crazy. Well, maybe you're doing a little bit more crazy now, but like <laughs> back in, back then it was, Hey, I'm going to run and every day I'm going to do CrossFit and that's not going to change from now until I'm dead. Basically. Yeah. And that, I, mean, I mean, and I, I enjoy the, I enjoy training. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I like, you I don't like have training. to work and out. You still you, have a full-time job. Yeah, I get to. You still have a job. I still have a full-time job. And you have how many kids? <laughs> Three kids. Three kids. Yes. So like what? And, and Kim. And, and, and an amazing yeah, wife. Too. Well, yeah. She takes care of me. So I don't <laughs> yeah. count her as I have to take care of her. Yeah. You're yeah. the dependent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dependent. But just to gain some, like, to bring some people back down to reality, like, oh, he's this ultra running. He just spends all this time ultra running and just doing all this stuff. No, he has a job and yeah. a family and a I mean, yeah, and it's possible. And it's know, possible. It's possible with consistency. Like, you can't take a couple of weeks off and expect to be doing right big things. Right. I mean, consistency is probably the biggest factor. Just like yeah. and training for any any sport. You know, I mean, if you take gaps off, long periods of times off, you're not going to perform as well as you can if you're doing it even a little bit less, but just more consistent. How do you get your mind or how, and maybe this is going back to high school or how did you get your mind around enjoying training? uh, That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I had, like for me, it's like I started with running obviously when I was younger in high school and college and 
the one thing I liked about it, it was something where if you worked hard at it, you could see improvement. You know, if you put in more time and effort, most of the time, I mean, don't do stupid things. Don't overdo it. But if you're sm- a little bit smart about it, the more effort you put into it, it's a function of hard work and it can pay dividends. Just like in law practice, you know, for in litigation, the harder you work than your opponent, the more successful you're going to be. Um, and so sports and long distance running is very much like that. Whereas if you put in the time and effort, uh, for, for, you know, and you don't do stupid things, you can see a lot of improvement and good results. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction. And so same thing with CrossFit. When I joined uh, my first CrossFit gym, um, you know, I put in consistent effort on a daily basis. And after two or three months, I started seeing results. I could just see it. You know, other people could see it. And and I like that. I like feeling better and looking better and um, you know, I'd gone a long period of time where I didn't do anything. I knew what that felt like, you know, so, and I like this feeling of after working out and feeling tired, but your mind feeling sharp. Mm-hmm. That's one of my most favorite things that I, I tell people is on Saturday mornings, I usually work out and usually do pretty hard workout because Kim programs it. Um, <laughs> it's usually pretty hard. So, but it's the best feeling of the week is once I get done with that workout, I'm physically exhausted, but me- mentally I feel alive and fresh. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a good feeling. Yeah. yeah that's and crazy. The, yeah, I, got, yeah. I got about 10 yeah. minutes, but, um, cause then I got to get going here really quick. But if you were to take all the knowledge that you had right now, right, all of it, all the experience and all the knowledge and everything that you've done up until this point and you had it, seven years ago or someone's just starting off and you had like say three things like, Hey, if you have nothing else, but these three things, here's what I would practice. If I knew all this stuff now, go back to change my training or my whatever, what would it be? Or like new ultra marathoners, runners that are coming up. I want to be an ultra marathoner. The Marvin, who would talk to you. What would you tell the guy coming on Sunday and say, Hey, this is going to help you do this. Well, one is, uh, you know, you, you asked me if I would change anything. The one thing I wouldn't change is the CrossFit aspect of it. Okay. Uh, because that's been a huge, uh, part of my training. And I, uh, attribute not getting injured uh, other than the broke, I've had some broken bones from during races, but not getting injured from training or running long distances and just building up strength to withstand the stress of an ultra marathon. I, I think weightlifting is, is something that's underutilized in the ultra running community. I think ultra trail runners, people who run trails or mountains focus on a lot more strength training, mm-hmm. weightlifting, and they see the benefit because they see the benefits of it. So that's one thing I would say. If you want to, if you want to get into ultra running, don't overlook and in fact incorporate strength training into your regimen whether Ultra it's running slash any running yeah any running really i mean i think it, i think it's just going to help you be a better athlete and prevent injuries from happening because there's there's so many runners out there that just run yeah. and a lot of them are my friends and guess what a lot of them get hurt and injured well and an ultra to you as a hundred an ultra to someone who's starting off running who does a 5k as a marathon like to like perspective, right, right, like, right. Hey, I've only ever ran a 5k and ultra to me sounds like running a marathon. That's for them. Right. Right. Um, and so strength coordinating, strength training for that is going to be how they prepare for that marathon, their first marathon or half marathon or something like that would be a great additive. 
Yes. So step number one is have baseline strength. Baseline strength. Number two. Uh, number two, we talked about it, consistency with running especially. Um, pick, a, pick a – yeah, there's so many programs out there in terms of if you're starting from scratch, you know what to do in terms of running like every other day for a couple of weeks and then building it up. Pick something that you can – Think you can handle and then build up incrementally. Don't make huge jumps in mileage or elevation or whatever. Build up incrementally over time. Because like ten percent, I've heard like a ten percent gain is, a week. Yes, or like even um, I, I've seen 10% a lot of gain in distance. Distance, in yeah. distance. A lot of people change, but time. only do that for a few weeks and then back off one week. Yeah. Give your body a chance to adjust, and then build up again, back off. So build up for three weeks, back off for one week. Kind of a, you know, a periodization or, yeah. or just training in a way where it allows your body to absorb what you're doing and to heal. Yeah. Because if you don't give your chance, if you don't give your body a chance to rest, you can't get the benefits of, of the increase in okay. mileage or intensity. Uh, but I would also, if what I would tell myself is start incorporating things like hills and speed work, not a lot, but maybe once a week. Um, whether it's it's running on the track, doing intervals or, or sprints or just stride outs or going on the roads and, and running just for a period of time at an increased pace. Um, it, you don't have to get too scientific about it. You know, watches are great about telling you what your pace should be. I mean, you can you can program everything, but just go with how you feel and just change your pace so you're not running the same pace every day. I think that's a huge benefit. And Running hills not only increases strength so much, but what we say in the in the running world is hill workouts are speed workouts in disguise, and they, and they truly are because they build up everything from strength to your VO two max to everything else. So it's a huge benefit to run hills. Yeah, strength and consistency. Strength, consistency, and, and the last thing. I mean, I mean, there's other things as well, but nutrition is a huge That's part. Nutrition, sleep, I think they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, you got to, you have to address those. If you're not sleeping properly and you're not paying attention to what you're putting in your body, um, you're not going to do well. I mean, if you sleep like crap, you're not going to perform well. If you eat like crap or if you drink too much, you're not going to perform well. Probably going to get hurt too. Yeah. And you're probably going to get hurt and it's not going to be fun. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good. So eat the way, you know, eat, and the way I always think about it is I want to eat so I can perform well. So that, for me, that means carbohydrates, of course. You know, I'm not going to go low carb when you're I'm putting You're putting out way too much. Right. So f fuel yourself for performance is the way I look at it. You know, and, and I probably go a little bit even crazier about it because Kim's like, oh, you're taking all these supplements or whatever. But and probably, they probably don't do anything. But psychologically, you know, I feel like I'm if I'm going to do the best that I can, I'm going to try everything I can, you know, within reason. And obviously anything that's legal, I'm not going to do anything illegal that's dumb. And for ultra running, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, but, uh, you know, eating right, clean. You know, it doesn't mean you can't have fun, but just be smart about it. Mm -hmm. So consistent. those, yeah, and be consistent. In your nutrition. Yeah, yes. Nutrition is huge. I mean, you guys know that. Yeah. Obviously, for, it's the same thing for CrossFit too. I mean, if you, if you, you can't We're just talking exercise about health right now. We're talking about health. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just, I mean, you can't exercise away a bad diet, you know. I mean, people try all the time. I'm sure you, people that walk through your doors try it all the time. We've all seen it. I have friends who do it. Some are better at it than others, but, 
you know, if you want to feel good while you're working out or feel good while you're running and perform well or to perform the best that you can, which I hope would hope that's what everybody would want to do if you're going to invest time and energy in something, then just, you know, be smart about it. To be able to enjoy it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. insane. So strength, consistency, nutrition. And you got to, I think when people look at nutrition, I, and you said it during a lot of your races was, or in some of your races, um, you have to experiment with what works for you. And then would you agree on don't change your game day nutrition uh, from your training nutrition? Right. Be like, you, oh, a race is coming up. I'm right. going to try this, no. this, and this. Why the, don't, why do do don't try something new on race day. Yeah. Practice during a long run. Practice yeah. during, you know, in your preparation, especially when it comes to food. Yeah. Um, there's some things that are more benign than others. I mean, eating a banana, I think a lot of people can handle that. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of aid stations and ultra marathons are pretty well stocked. I mean, they have things like bacon and, you know, ham, just any chips, anything you can think of. I mean, it's the whole food spread. And some of it may look appealing, but, you know, think about how you want to fuel yourself. I mean, potato with salt on it may make sense, but can you handle that as well? That's another question. That's something you need to practice during training with. You're training your nutrition. Those yeah. long runs are just as so much a nutrition game as it is a running game. Yes. And you have opportunity. It's like weightlifting, but for your gut. Hey, <laughs> I'm running. I have to practice this nutrition. Does my gut handle this supplement? Does it handle this? Does it have? And I, I mean, you don't know unless you try. Yeah, right. But you have multiple opportunities to do it. Multiple opportunities. And there's so many products out there that are, that you can try that are good, that are relatively safe, but you you do need to try it. And, and in fact, before I did that first 50 miler, I went to the track here at China Mission East and, and did a 30 mile run on the track, on the track. Gross. And, man. and, and just tried eating the way I would on race day. Yeah. And it worked like, you know, luckily I've got a stomach of a billy goat and I can eat cardboard and be fine. So <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Like I've never had any issues really with that. Uh, but other people, I've seen them drink like a Gatorade and they just – everything comes up. Projectile so vomit. you really have to be careful. But just one final point about 100 milers. You know, you were talking about, you know, you got to have this mental fortitude and all this stuff to, to do something like that. And it's true. The the ultra marathons, there's a saying that, uh, you know, for a 100 miler, for example, you run the first 50 miles with your body. But the last 50 miles you run with your mind, and it, which is very true. I mean, it's you're going to hit parts of the race that are going to hurt, and instead of feeling defeated, just accept that and accept that it will get better if you continue on. And most of the time, it will. Now there may be some time, you know, some things where you're injured or you can't keep anything down that's going to take you out. But most of the time. It will get better. It ebbs and flows. I mean, you could be talking about. I know you're talking about a hundred mile race right now, but you're talking about life, right? Yeah, it's a very, it's a very analogous. <laughs> I mean, stay experience. in experience. Yes. Well, the satisfaction of finishing feels way more gratifying than the hurt that you're in in the middle of it. Like you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna hurt and it's gonna suck, and that you feel that pain. But probably nothing tastes or feels better than that satisfaction of finishing. Because yeah. you could you could quit. Yes. You could be done with the race. Right. And you could feel instantaneously better. Or you can hang on to that and finish it and you can have, I mean. You would feel instantaneously better. But I, most people will tell you that regret, regret. inevitably sets in. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, 
knock on wood, luckily, I have never DNF'd a race. But, you know, but I'm not saying that I'm impervious to it. You know, there's something that definitely take me out. But, you know, for me, it's like, you know, if I'm going to sign up for this thing, I'm going to finish it. You get your money's worth. Get that buckle. You you get the big buckle. It's not negotiable. And that's the way you have to approach it. You can't go into it thinking I've got a safety valve or I could always quit or I don't have to. No, you sign up for it. It's not negotiable. You're going to finish. And that's the mindset you have to have. Yeah. And again, are you talking about running or life? Because it's, I, I, <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing. It so, is very now. Uh, so wh- whether or not you're, you're listening to this to, to be motivated to go out and run 100 miles, I think the, the wisdom that you've developed by putting yourself through this uh, translates to so many other aspects of your life, which I'm which we didn't get a chance to talk about today, but I was very, saying, I want to do another one. <laughs> I know. Very, very grateful for you to sit down with us. And, I appreciate uh, you talking to me. It's obviously a topic I love talking about. So yeah, anytime. And, and the next race is uh, about a week. Actually. Oh, what's, what's that one? <laughs> so it's a, it's a hundred K out in California called canyons. It's on the West. It's partially on the Western States trail, which Western States is a race I'm doing this summer. So it's kind of a practice. It's kind of a, it was kind of a preview, but because of the snow they've had this year, they've had to change the course, unfortunately. So I'm not going to see as much, but it's still a very competitive and it's going to be a very tough race with over 10,000 feet of climbing for 62 miles. That's awesome. Trail. Well, Mountain. again, to Jeremy's point, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to do this again. Oh, we have got yeah. a lot lot more rabbit holes to go down. With <laughs> oh yeah, training, yeah, training, right. training questions like getting yeah. specific into training, but also, I mean, just I want to go even more through bad water. Like yeah. that'd be, <laughs> I mean, good, good stuff yeah. to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, like I said, I could talk hours just about that alone. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it was, you know, the way I I talked to a lot of people about it. Uh, that race was kind of life changing, just because. Uh, it, it, all these races, you, you kind of have to tailor your training and your preparation for that specific race. But that one, more than most, you really have to focus hard on being able to, uh, adapt to the heat and coming out of that. Um, you know, the way I did was a huge sense of accomplishment, not just with the race itself, but just knowing that I was able to figure it out. You know, not having ever been there before. I'd never crewed there before, um, like a lot of people do, just to see what it's like. Um, so, you know, going into that, I was completely kind of blind to what I was getting into. Uh, but just studying, reading, analyzing, figuring it out. It's all part of the process, and that's what I like about it. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, again, th- thank you for your time right. today. Thank, thank you much. very much. Appreciate it, Hans.